Tis the season, of course, for eating chestnuts. Tis the season of goodwill, of grandmas falling asleep at the Christmas table. Too much sherry in their bellies. This is a special edition of Alex Wilson's Library. The final such podcast of the year on bleep.com. Coming up is an uninterrupted DJ mix by yours truly of Christmas tracks old and new. In the meanwhile, let's cross over to our man in the fields. You're right, I'm here in East London uh, and I'm joined by Soundway Records boss Miles Claret. Over the next sort of half an hour or so we're going to be talking about the genesis of his terrific record label, including an, a new record that's just dropped called The Sound of Siam, composed with Thai music. I, I read on the, uh, the interweb that Quoted as being 16, that was the age when I started digging the records. And... I grew up in a house full of records, my dad was 
banging into records. Spinning records, playing records, collecting records, couldn't walk past a charity shop or a record so, shop. So what was this? Where, where was he? He sort of Cambridge, yeah. Um, and yeah, got into it myself, I guess. Started, started buying records and making his records. And, uh, what, what kind of gear was he into? He was into, well, when he was a kid, he was big into rock and roll because he grew up in the 50s. But he got into soul and Jazz, yeah, soul, R&B, and jazz are got in the 60s. That's a 45s um, kicking on. Lots of 45s, yeah, and um, you know, like a lot of people used to just love being in record shops yeah, and meeting yeah. people and hanging out, and you know, even if you only had 10 quid in your pocket, you could make <laughs> you, could, you could listen to two hours worth of music before yeah. you parted with that tenor. When you were in your teens, were you checking out new sort of stuff in punk, punk I guess? Yeah, or yeah. You, you instantly rooted to that, like, archive. I mean, I've, I've always, I've always been drawn to records you can't get in Woolworths, the older side of records. But when I was a teenager, no, I mean, I was, I've always been into all kinds of music, really. I mean, I used to be banging into electronic music and electronic. I mean, I, I was at the right age at the end of the eighties and nineties that I was banging into the whole rave scene and yeah, Detroit music, Chicago music, like, and then drum and bass and funk and soul and reggae. There's a lot, really. I was into psychedelic rock, progressive rock. Just, I'm just into music really. Yeah. I was always like kind of the backroom DJ really, you know, I was always sort of the one that played in the chill out room and, and I lived in Manchester for quite a few years and some mates of mine got me just to sort of spin in the back room with another mate and yeah, we used to play hip hop and soul and funk and weird stuff and I just always loved that sort of feeling of, of playing records that people would come up and go, what the hell was that, you know, so naturally got me into sort of looking a bit further afield, going to record fairs, looking in old record shops and I got really into hip hop sort of when I was about 18 to 22 I suppose and then that led me into rap, soul and jazz and American music and well, then well, 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 yeah and then yeah. took a took a took a de detour into African music. Hey when the guy do that I see any sign
DJ and did you fall into like brainwave moment? I want to start a record label. It, well, it was. I was in Ghana once and um, there's a radio DJ. I was in his house and he was playing records. And yeah, as every sort of other record came on that was kind of blowing me away, I just thought, yeah, I've got to do a compilation of this. I didn't. I don't think I immediately thought I've got to do a record label, but mm. I knew I had to do a collection of it. These tracks were so invaluable, they need to sit on the scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I thought, well, I'll go back and find a label to do it. And the more I sort of dug around, I thought, sod it, I'll do it myself. And at, at this point, Mars, was it just you? You, Mr. Yeah. Sandway? Right? Yeah, it's, all, it's always just been me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to have that sort of creative freedom. Yeah, it is, it is. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of us that sort of, kind of compile certain, especially the sort of South American things. Like, I, I suppose I pretty much do all the African stuff myself, mm. but the South American stuff we do is basically me and Will Quantic and the guy called Roberto who lives in San Francisco, the three of us really. Once in a while, somebody else, but we sort of do most of the stuff from Panama and Colombia together. Mm. Um, Roberto speaks, well, Will does now as well, but Roberto has always written sleeve notes and he's like a kind of Latin musicographer and knows his stuff really well and speaks really good Spanish so I can interview people much better than me. Will lives in Colombia and yeah, we've sort of done tri trips together. How do you dig out these records? Do you speak to local DJs? Is there people who know you're yeah. in town, you're playing out and you know? Yeah, it's just sort of... Is it pure chance the way you stumble across records and find uh, out the artists, where they live and... Occasionally and it's pure, and... No, well actually it's very rarely is it pure chance, you mm. know, you just have to keep pegging away really, just knocking on doors and making phone calls and taking cab rides and keeping at it really and you know, one thing leads to another and in most places even in big countries the scenes are fairly small, you know, once you get first contact or someone within it, like, you know, you start to get, oh, I know somebody who might have something, you get a telephone number, and, you know, you go to his house, I had some records there, or, you know, and obviously people used to be distributors or used to have shops. Now, even in the 10 years since I started doing it, it's so much harder to, to find people that have have LPs and 45s, you know. Any real characters that stand out like, over, over time? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's tons of characters. I mean, you know, it's music. It's yeah. Full, full, full of characters and, yeah. I mean, Sir Victor Wifo is definitely one of the, one of the most inspiring guys I've met because he's so positive and full of energy and, and unique. He sort of invented his own kind of music. He invented his own sort of role really but he's also just an incredibly talented expressive bloke he's like a he's a painter he's a poet he's an artist he's a philosopher he's like oh, a, he's a bronze sculptor if you go to his hometown in nigeria benin city bronze sculptures on the street like and roundabouts and stuff and like he's like professor of bronze sculpture at the university built his first guitar when he was 14 and he's got <laughs> He's got a museum to himself tacked onto the side of his house, and um, yeah, he's a pretty, uh, he's a pretty <laughs> flamboyant character, but you know, just a real pleasure to be around. Um, one of uh, many, as you said. Yeah, like, one of many. Yeah, yeah. What struck me on my my personal sort of Soundwave collection? How many great band names <laughs> yeah. you've come across? <laughs> so I thought I'd, I'd do a, a, a random dig in the Soundway catalogue and maybe see if you can tell us a bit about said band. Yeah, right. All right. Um, one that uh, strikes me, because I know there's a couple of absolute banging tunes, is the Don Isaac Ezekiel combination. Can you, can you Don shed Isaac any light on those caps? Yeah, yeah, the Don Isaac Ezekiel combination were um, Don Kamala, Isaac Olashugba and Ezekiel Hart, who were all members of um, Fela Kuti's band in the 60s, the Kudu Lobitos, which were like kind of his high life jazz band. And they split and formed their own band sort of in the early 70s. And um, they were quite a religious bunch of guys. Um, and so there's a lot, of, a lot of their music is quite religious, but um, they're one of those bands that they only made three records, but you just wish that someone at that time had signed them up and given them, you know, a couple of LPs to... Three, three tracks? Three forty five. And they're so. on Nigeria Special. Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, they, only, they only ever re recorded three tracks. Although, strangely, like, Don Camoa now lives in... Uh, he lives in the Pyrenees, strangely. He married... As you do. <laughs> He married it like I, I couldn't find him for ages, and then he got in touch with me. And he said, I just got this email out of the blue, and he said that he recorded an album for Island Records, like in the 70s, but Island had never released it. So 
maybe somewhere <laughs> somewhere in there in Ireland. So if there's anyone listening from Ireland Records and you've got a tape with Don Camaro and I dig it out. So Joyce, Don Isaac, Cup, out of the three that exist, which, which is your favourite? Uh, a track called A Mullinger. Necessarily, coppers playing Afrobeat, which is a bit ironic. <laughs> um, they were musicians that were enlisted by the the police to play in the band. They had the uniforms and everything, though. Like on the front covers of the records, they're all wearing like white police uniforms, and but they were, you know, they, they were guys that played for different functions and different occasions, and you know, all over the country, I suppose. And they had to play. You know, I suppose we just think of what it'd be like here for the <laughs> British policeman's band of 1970 <laughs> wouldn't have probably been that. I'm sure that a record exists somewhere in a charity <laughs> shop, somewhere, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in Nigeria in the, in the early 70s, they had to play, you know, a bit of funk, a bit of soul, a bit of high life, a bit of Afro, a bit of reggae. They made a few records actually, some pretty, some pretty good ones. Miller, what I lay a towel day. What you 
Because this is, I guess, the first time I heard of Sam I really. Um, 45 or plots, I think, of the Columbia record. Uh-huh. I'm going to pronounce this awfully wrongly, but it's Alito Barrientos y Su uh-huh. Orchestra. And that's that. Cumbia en Do Menor. Uh-huh. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one of the best Cumbia records ever made. For a while, uh, Will. Holland Quantic was living, well his girlfriend at the time was from Puerto Rico and we went out, we used to go out to Puerto Rico, he used to go out to Puerto Rico a lot and we went out for a festival and there was this crazy like insane sort of record warehouse that Will had, had gone through and this was sort of when we were really getting into Latin music, uh, Colombian music especially and that's kind of like the, there was this sort of cache of, of Colombian records that Will found and that track was on a compilation. Amazingly well produced, it's a party track. It's yeah, big, yeah, yeah, Boof. yeah, kills it. La cumbia de coides, oye, coide, gocemos, mijo. Let's talk about how did it come about. Well, it's another sort of partnership between me and a friend, it's a guy called Chris Menace, who's sort of a long-time friend of the label. And you know, Chris is another guy that's sort of into all kinds of music, from jazz to disco to funk to African to whatever. You know, he's done a lot of stuff. So he's he's, a, he's a, a total music head, and um, he went to live in Bangkok a couple of years ago for a job. He got a job teaching out there. And, 
there's like a sort of record district in Bangkok where he uh, like runs street where he sort of went and yeah spent his afternoons with his portable record player going through records um, as you do. Yeah, he sort of started sending me these MP3s like when he first got there. I was like, yeah, maybe we should do a compilation of this. And there'd been a few compilations sort of time music out before, but it's sort of very focused on a kind of kitschy sort of side of things really and yeah he started sending me these mp3s and we sort of started planning it that way and it took about two years all to get licensing was a nightmare yeah sure um, is that a language barrier thing is it so yeah fast yeah it's also quite cultural like a lot of the music is actually from sort of the country it's all a lot of it's from the northeast of thailand and the border with laos but what happened in the sort of 60s and uh, onwards was a lot of the guys from the countryside came into Bangkok to work and they played, obviously the, the guys that were working like labourers and what have you needed entertaining so there was a big sort of music scene of these kind of country musicians coming into the town and playing but no record labels but so the guys that started the record labels weren't from the places where the music was from so they didn't really have any kind of interest in the music other than to make as much money out of it as they could and so they were sort of exploiting the scene so it's been quite frustrating in that like a lot of the guys that own the master rights aren't actually very passionate about the music and they're kind of these sort of quite wily sort of Chinese Thai kind of urban businessmen who like sitting eating duck noodles and getting fat. <laughs> um, and yeah, they don't like sort of famously don't really like foreigners at all. So we sort of had to go through a, a friend of a friend of ours who's a Thai guy who sort of helped us all out. But it was quite long and drawn out, and a lot of them weren't sort of au fait with the international sort of music industry and you know didn't really know what was standard and this is kind of what you get in Africa as well people assume that you're selling a lot more than you are because they can't believe that you would be flying across the world or spending so much time doing what you're doing um, if you weren't going to be making tens of thousands of pounds or selling 20, 30, 40, 50,000 more sometimes copies you know which we all, we don't, which we all dream of obviously <laughs> It's, I mean, it's had a great reception. Yeah, I think, but, you know, it's... rightly so, I think. I think it's... I think it's I, I, I'm really pleased with it. It's, it's, I think it's, it's amazing music. Kind of haunting in a way. Like, some of those tracks, like, they don't... They took a while for... It took a while for me to sort of get get into the frame of mind. But there's some of them, you know, obviously, like, you press them. It was the first time you hear it, it's like, wow, where's this from? Yeah, no, the, the tracks that I'm most drawn to are those stranger ones. There's no mm -hmm. alien ones. So, I mean, yeah, a couple yeah. of, there's a couple of cuts on there that I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce uh, but yeah you can hear sort of echoes of funk and the west yeah there's other stuff on there that's just just wild like yeah i mean i think i've read a few reviews that have been out and also i think a lot of people sort of focus too much on the fact that it's you know like there's only one i mean there's only literally a handful of tracks on there that are consciously sort of aware of anything american r and mm. influence at all i just think a lot of it is electrified country music and you know it's actually got very it's got nothing to do with funk or R&B or soul at all, it just happens to be kind of upbeat and you know, this is country music that came to the city, got electrified and happened to sound a bit like yeah, reggae, I guess you know, it's like some of the bass lines, mm -hmm. you know, like there was no reggae really to speak of, you know, Thai recordings from the 20s and 30s, field recordings, like the way they play that sort of traditional bass, it's just like that and it's just once you sort of take that traditional instrument out of someone's hand and put an electric bass in and, it, and they play the same bass line, it just happens to sound a bit like reggae, but mm -hmm. you know, they're not they're not playing reggae you know any any particular ones that stand out at this point in time as we sit here yeah again i'm from you know my type pronunciation ain't like great but um uh i do love the first one um which i think is i guess it's that one
Silent Night. This is one of the few songs in this mix that you recognise, I guess. There will be no bloody band-aid, no wham, no Cliff Richard. So this is the last time you'll hear my voice in 2010. All being well, next time out will be 2011. January. Have yourself a marvellous Christmas period. Drink lots and be merry. See you soon.
Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping. 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 Jesus Christ.
least on earth Goodwill to men in the ghetto Just like the one I used to know 
the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Be you dear, be merry.